prayer for us. Dear Father, we love you. We trust you. We are so incredibly thankful that you are a God who is a light and a guide to us. I pray, Father, that you would open up our hearts, encourage our minds, and strengthen our souls in you today, Father, that we might be the men and women you've called us to be. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Some years ago, as a staff, we read the book called The Four Disciplines of Execution. And in the book, it says one of the biggest enemies against execution actually doing the things that we say we want to do, right? We all have these lofty goals and these ideas. And the biggest enemy that gets in the way of us actually accomplishing these things is what they call the whirlwind. Life ever feel like a whirlwind? The whirlwind is the amount of energy that's necessary just to keep what you have to keep going on a daily basis, right? We all have this whirlwind, things that we have to get done, things at work, things at home, and it keeps things moving, it keeps life functioning, but it keeps us super busy. Our focus is always on urgent, 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 the right now, and we miss the bigger picture, the important, what needs to happen next. Those things where we need to grow and we need to change and we need to make different choices. So they said the number one discipline that really pushes back against this whirlwind is the idea of focus. You focus on what's wildly important. I love the qualifier. Not just like kind of important or maybe important, like wildly important. Because here's what we know. We all think we can do everything, right? But the more we try to do, the less we actually accomplish. So instead of trying to do everything, use our focus, our time and energy to say what's wildly important that I can get completely excellent at that. So here's where the tension is. We have to make the hard choices that separate just the good, because there's good things, from the wildly important. Because there's always going to be more good ideas and more opportunities than we have time and energy to actually execute. Says from Stephen Covey, you have to decide what your highest priorities are and have the courage, pleasantly, smilingly, unapologetically, to say no to other things. And the way you do that is by having a bigger yes burning inside. Our wildly important that gets all of our focus and attention is the burning yes we have inside of us. And I love how they help qualify this. So they said, instead of asking what's most important, ask, what is one area in my life where a change would have the greatest impact? Because there's a lot of important things, right? Just because we say no to something doesn't mean it's not great or awesome or potential for good. But what's one area in my life that a change here would have the greatest impact on everything else? When you think about who you are and what you do, where could you make a change that would affect everything else? We know what it is to be busy, right? That whirlwind that consumes us and all the things that have to get done. In some seasons, I was laughing because last year, I don't know why September, I just way overscheduled my September and I'm like, this is it. September's going to be the one that does me in. And one of my girls that I work with put, here's why September's not going to ruin you, like an encouraging note on my board in my office, still hanging up. What happens is, right, we jump from one thing to next, to the next, to the next, and there's no space in between. And it's a weird balance because sometimes being busy feels productive, doesn't it? Like I'm getting things done. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. 
But at the end of the day, no matter how busy we are, did it actually accomplish anything? Did it actually do anything or we have something to show from all of these day-to-day -day tasks that keep us so busy? And here's another little thing that we got to push at. Sometimes we feel valuable because we're busy, right? Like I'm contributing, I'm helping, I'm doing, I'm making a difference. And our worth goes up by constantly doing. And that busy's come almost been like a status symbol, right? Like look at how amazing I am, accomplished I am, helpful I am. But none of those things are actually measures of success. And in fact, if we let it, busyness could actually be an enemy to the life well lived. Busyness could rob us of the joy of who we are right now and distract us from the things that matter most. So over the next couple of weeks, I want to give us this idea that kind of helps reframe this for us, puts our focus back on the wildly important, and it comes directly from Jesus Christ. In the Gospel of John, he's talking to his friends and his disciples, and he's giving them all these big ideas as they go into what's going to happen on the cross. And this idea that he gives us, if we could work it into our life, might be the change that has the greatest impact on who we are and what we do with our life. It might switch our focus. So instead of looking at busyness and productivity, he gives us this new measure, which he qualifies as fruitfulness. This is what he says. Jesus says this in John chapter 15, starting at verse 1. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown in the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. All right, so Jesus uses this lovely illustration of vines and branches as a way of thinking about relationships. Vines and branches are so connected to each other that they share this deep unity, this common life, this common bond that makes the whole healthy and grow. N.T. Wright kind of frames it like this in, in a term we can understand. He says, a rose bush left to itself will get straggly and tangled and grow in on itself. It will produce quite a lot of not-so-good roses rather than a smaller number of splendid ones. It will quite literally get in its own light. It needs help to grow in the right directions to the right ends, so you prune it to stop it wasting its energy and being unproductive. You cut out particularly the parts of the plant that are growing inwards and getting tangled up. You encourage the shots that are growing outwards towards the light. You prune the ro rose, in other words, to help it be its true self. And this is this imagery that Jesus is giving us about how a vine grows and how Jesus wants to have this 
Jesus is the vine, God is the gardener, and they're not interested in growing not-so-good roses, right? They want to help us grow into our true selves, help us grow in the right directions to use our time and our energy in the most fruitful, productive ways to help us continue to grow outwards. And Jesus uses the analogy, right? When you have these branches, I am obviously not a horticulturalist. Keeping anything alive feels like a stretch to me. But you have to prune things off of there so that the healthiest things grow. They're strategically saying, what isn't healthy? Taking it off. You snip off the leaves and the pieces that get rid of the tangled pieces so that the vine can grow and be healthy to create these lovely, splendid rows. See, I can look at a plant and see that, right? It makes sense. It's so much harder in my own life. What are the areas in my life that require pruning, right? What are the areas? It's not even because they're terrible and atrocious and horrible. They're just tangled up in my energy and wasting my focus away from the areas we could grow towards the light. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. And to grow and be healthy, we have to stay connected to him. So think about this. The vine and the branches, the branches grow because they're connected to the vine. They're healthiest connected to the vine. And for Jesus to give us this analogy saying, I want you to grow and lead these productive, fruitful, healthy lives, the best thing you can do is to stay connected to him. Because when we're connected to Jesus Christ, we have this life focus that looks so incredibly different. When I'm connected to Christ, I'm reminded what he can do, what he's already done. I'm reminded of the chance for health and growing in him. I'm reminded of what he has already done and what he's promising he still wants to accomplish. Connected to Christ, we have a focus that's outward and sees things more than just the minute-to-minute problems in the whirlwind. We see the hope of possibility. We, we have our own limitations, right? Daily, sometimes we are reminded of our limitations, connected to Christ. I see what is a limit to me is not to him. Connected to Christ, reminded of love and hope and the reality that anything is possible, of a wonderful God who is for us and loves us and encourages us and motivates us to keep going forward beyond just what we see now. Jesus says, connected to him, our life can bear fruit, the kind of fruit that outlasts even just my time here, the kind of fruit that outlasts even just what I can do in this moment. See, I, I don't know about you, but I like the older I get, the more aware I am. Like, man, my time is limited. There's a hundred bajillion things that I want to get done, a hundred bajillion places I want to go. So I'm like, how do I be more productive? How do I use my time more productively, right? I like to read the articles on 10 steps towards productivity and obviously the books. But productivity is all focused on how I control my life, right? How I control my time, my schedule, my busyness, what I'm doing. It's really focused on what I can do. But this focus that Christ gives us, fruitfulness, is what God can do through me. So when I'm focused on me, I'm saying, what do I have to get done? How do I use my time wisely? How do I make the most of each moment? When I'm focused on being connected to Christ, he's the vine, I'm the branch. Fruitfulness isn't just what I can control out of this day. It's what God is going to do 
through our lives, through the hearts, the lives, the souls that we give him. Fruitfulness is me spending time remaining in Jesus Christ, following him, letting him guide me and leading me. See, we see the rewards of productivity, right? I get more done. I get more accomplishments. I get more people saying, wow, look at what a champ you are. The result of fruitfulness is the eternal work that God is doing, not just in my life, but in the lives of other people as well. Fruitfulness is always going to be greater than productivity because fruitfulness is uh, productivity is what I can do. Fruitfulness is what Christ wants to do through each and every one of us. And for that fruit to grow, for it to prosper, for our branches to be healthy, we have to be connected to the vine. So the question is, for all of us, how connected to Jesus Christ am I right now? If I'm healthiest connected to him, what time am I spending with him? How much space does he have in my everyday life when that whirlwind consumes me and takes me and the next thing I know it's Monday, then it's Saturday, then it's the next week in that whirlwind? How much space does my friend Jesus have to lead me, to guide me, to challenge me, to comfort me? See, I think for a lot of us, we know it sounds like an awesome idea, right? Like connected to God, things are healthy and there's things that get pruned and then they're more healthy and you get more here. But unfortunately, it speaks one way and lives another. It makes sense in our hearts and in our minds, but we're trying to be the branch all on our own. We're trying to be productive and make things show for what we're doing, but we aren't connected to the vine to get the health we need for fruitfulness. We see that things aren't growing the way we want them to. We feel the disappointment and we want more to show for the things that we've done. Not, again, because of anything bad, but because we've cut ourselves off from the vine, from the source of health and wholeness and the love and wisdom we need to live our most meaningful lives. What if the change we could make that would have the greatest impact in our life right now is just spending more time with Jesus Christ? What if the focus shift in our life isn't do 10 more things, isn't take on five more projects, isn't create 15 new habit, healthy habit lifestyles? All those things are lovely. But what if the greatest impact change we could make right now is just staying more connected to Jesus Christ on a daily basis? Because when Christ is our strength, he gives us what we need to do the next hard things, right? When Christ is my peace, he fills me with the patience I need to live in the messiness of right now. When the wisdom of Christ is leading me, it helps me filter out all of the noise and the opinions and the voices that are out there that are not speaking good into my life and actually don't mean me well at all. When the love of Christ is filling my heart, I have more to give to everybody else around me. I'm better at my job, <laughs> better with my family, I'm better in the things that I do, the more connected we are to Jesus Christ. What if that shift in our focus just looked like spending time with Jesus Christ this week? Every day we let his goodness and faithfulness fill us. Every day we spend time connected to his grace and his kindness and his courage and his strength fill us up. I'm reading in um, the Bible right now, and I'm in First uh, and Second Samuel, and there's this moment in the life of King David where he has to do some hard things. 
But right before he does, God strengthens him for the next hard thing. And it just so reminded my heart, how many times am I trying to do hard things apart from strengthening of God, right? Like how many times am I going into like a hard conversation or a hard job or a hard task that needs to be done and I've not spent one second with God for him to strengthen me. Man, we have hard things that need to get done and it's gonna make a difference for good, but the time we spend with God first changes the trajectory of who we are in those moments when it really matters the most. Do you ever notice that? When it matters the most, I'm usually not at my best, unfortunately. When it matters the most, I'm usually done, grouchy, tired, and nothing left to give. <laughs> and it's like everything is on the ride. Okay, even in those moments when I feel that way, I can let God be my strength. Connected to him, I'm better at everything else. When Christ is in us, I love this abide. It's just remaining with Christ day after day after day, year after year after year. We grow more and more into the men and women he's created us to be. Not just people who are productive and can get things done, doing good things, but who show ourselves to be disciples of Jesus Christ, producing fruit that outlasts even our time here. That is the heartbeat of the church, right? We want to build a church that's not just influential in this generation, but the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation. That requires a fruitfulness that only comes connected to Jesus Christ. And so all of us should ask, what does the fruit that my life produces look like, right? If I'm connected to Jesus Christ, what should I be growing in? What kind of flowers, what kind of fruit should be growing off of my branch? And I love this because Jesus actually has helped us here. He says, here's how people are going to know that you're my disciples, right? If fruitfulness shows that we're following Christ and he's leading, we're growing. He says, here's how people are going to know that you are my disciple, my follower, that you spent time with me, that you learned anything from me. How you love one another. And then he shows us how to love. I mean, when you look at the life of Christ and the time that he spent here in this world, he showed us what love looks like. What did Christ do? Christ went out and built a team, right? He could have gone anywhere. He could have gone to the temple. He could have gone to the synagogues. There's all these places Christ could have gone to, like, build his team and get that dream team recruit together. Starts with some fishermen, right? Some nobodies out there just doing their everyday job. And when he went to go heal people and help people, he was constantly looking to people who'd been overlooked constantly bringing in people who everybody else looked down on. He was inviting people onto his team that many other people wouldn't have picked. He was including kids who had no status at the time, where other people were like, don't bother Jesus, he's too busy, right? Jesus was like, stop it, let him come, bring him in. He had this heart. He wasn't annoyed, he wasn't bothered. He included those who other people had overlooked. And he didn't just include people, he taught them. This is so powerful. When you read the words of Jesus Christ, he's always helping us see things and frame things and focus things and understand things in the kind of way that can take root in our life and grow. If you just read the words of Jesus Christ, he's encouraging us and comforting us and challenging us and strengthening us and teaching us these huge ideas to help us understand who God is and what he'd come to do.
And Jesus was compassionate. You cannot miss the compassion of Jesus Christ. People would show up and they'd listen and they'd hang out. And when they were hungry, he was moved to compassion to feed them. When they were sick, he was moved to compassion to heal them. When he saw people around him in need, he wasn't, ugh, gotta help somebody else, right? He wasn't as, he, he didn't get grouchy like I get grouchy. He wasn't bothered or annoyed or put off. He was moved towards people. Compassion is, I see there's a problem, and I don't just feel bad that there's a problem. It's, I want to move to help fix the problem. And that is what Christ has historically done with us. He shows compassion again and again and again, and he does it patiently because his heart towards us is gentle. It's the long-suffering patience of God. All throughout history, you can trace moment after moment after moment where God's like, here, let's do this, and everybody's like, yes, and then five minutes later, they're like, eh, I'm done, and they do something else. I mean, that is the human condition. You start with Adam and Eve, and you can trace it through the patriarchs and the kings and the right? It just, we think it's a great idea, and then something fizzles out in us, right? We get impatient, or we get distracted, or something else seems like a good idea, or there's all these other worlds, and we're like, God, they've got it made. Why can't we be like them? And we do the same thing today. It's easy to read the Old Testament and be like, oh my gosh, why won't these people listen? And God's like knocking on our shoulder. He's like, why won't you listen, right? Okay, but God is historically patient with us. It is because of the patience of God that we are who we are, where we are today. At any time, he could have said, I'm done. But again and again and again, he came up with new options to move towards us. He created a new path, a new way to try, a new uh, uh, option to go all in on. He sent Christ. When we had exhausted everything, he still had a plan that was good that we can't break and disrupt. He sends us Jesus Christ who loves us by serving us. You can't escape the service of Jesus Christ. He served his friends. He served people. He served all of humanity when he gave his life on the cross for us. He never shied away from dirty jobs, or he didn't look at something and say this was somebody else's. He stepped into the problems and the hurt and the pain and served us. And he did it lovingly, compassionately, patiently, kindly, and faithfully. He said, let me show you the greatest expression of love the world has ever seen. And he laid down his life for us. Christ loves us by giving the very best of himself. If we're ever wondering what our fruitfulness should look like, Christ has shown us. He says, here's how the world's going to know that you're my disciples, by how you love one another. Connected to Christ, we should be finding ways to love. We, we should be finding ways to teach the goodness of Christ every chance we have. You don't even have to be a teacher. Just say something good about Jesus this week, right? You just have to find a way to move towards people, to show compassion, to be patient, to find areas to serve. Some of the greatest fruit you might produce in this life is just sharing the love of Christ with somebody else. Some of the greatest fruit you might produce, you might not even see it come to fruition because it's going to be a generation from now. Somebody's life was changed because they heard about the goodness of Christ and it changed the direction of their future. 
It might even be looking into the eyes of our kids and reminding them that there is a God who is for them and love them. It, it, it might be coming alongside a student as they grow up and reminding them that God is with them even when it's messy. It, it might be in a life group where we get to share what God's been doing in our life and we don't know what God will do, where God will grow, but we know he does. We know he produces fruit that lasts. And maybe the best fruit you could grow right now is in relationship to somebody else. Connected to Jesus Christ, his love moves through you towards somebody else. They hear of the goodness of God and it changes their family. It, it changes their future. It changes the trajectory because of what God can do in one life and in one heart. And we're going to talk about that more next week. So you got to come back next Sunday to hear more about that. But connected to Christ, connected to the vine, we get to be these branches that grow healthy fruit that outlasts even what I can see just in this lifetime. I read this really interesting article this week. It was in the Washington Post about a woman named Jackie who lives in Georgia. Something like 36 years ago, um, she was given this succulent plant from her daughter and planted it in her yard. So she lives in a warmer climate. It's grown and prospered all these years. She thought it was just a regular succulent. Well, then one morning, she goes out there and sees this strange-looking stalk kind of growing up from the middle of the plant that ended up in a very short amount of time growing 25 feet into the air. And then once it grew into the air, it started like blossoming these really pretty like yellow flowers. So it turns out it's called an agave americana. Its nickname is a century plant. Um, it's much more popular uh, southern America into Mexico. And I guess near the end of its life, it produces this towering stalk that can grow in a matter of weeks huge 25 feet she lives in a really small town it's like everybody keeps coming to see it but for 36 years it was just a regular plant growing in an unremarkable way until one day this beautiful stalk that flowered grew out of it now listen i've never grown anything for 36 years i'm still working on myself over here right i've never had anything that lasts I, if you've seen my plants a few years feels like an accomplishment to me but to stay with it all of that time, she got to see something remarkable, unique, and beautiful because she remained with it day after day, year after year. When we remain in Jesus Christ, not just for today, but year after year after year after year, we will see something remarkable, unique, and beautiful. But we have to remain. We have to stay connected to him to see exactly what it is he's going to do next. Dear Father, I pray that you would help us. I pray that you would encourage our hearts being reminded of what it looks like to stay connected to you. I pray, Father, that connected to you, you would produce something beautiful, unique, and remarkable in each and every one of our lives. I pray, Father, that connected to you, we would grow in healthy ways, that we would grow fruit, Father, that outlasts even our lifetime. I pray that you would be at work in us and through us, and the light of Jesus Christ would shine. I pray that your goodness, your kindness, your compassion would radiate out of us into all that we do. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.